This is Dad I'd Like to Friend. I'm your host, Kevin Selden. We all want our kids to have it all. But what if limiting some resources is one of the best ways to breed a more innovative mind? Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming someone who knows a thing or two about innovation. A man who left a lucrative job at Xbox to launch one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns of all time. The wildly successful Exploding Kittens Empire breathed new life into the card game industry, and the innovation did not stop there. Together, we discuss everything from the importance of charting our own path, both in life and parenthood, to maintaining a sense of balance with all life throws at us while remaining an actively involved parent and partner. Let's dive in. Elon, welcome to the podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. I love the show. Thank you very much. I have been a fan of yours for years. You know, we went to the same elementary school. You were in my (laughs) brother's class. But, you know, I've kind of followed your career through the years. You've just innovation after innovation. It's been a very impressive journey to watch you. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. Of course. And one of my favorite things that I've heard through the years is you were the chief design officer at Xbox. And in 2015, you quit your job because you said, quote, the games I was building created this environment of isolation. And I not only do I think that's beautifully self-aware, but rare for people in the gaming industry (laughs) to kind of acknowledge that. And then to leave and kind of be inspired to create games that people could interact with each other, kind of live games, and and create kind of an empire that is exploding kittens from a Kickstarter campaign that just for listeners who don't know, had over 219,000 backers and raised over $8 million on Kickstarter, which is just such a cool feat. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, I get a lot of people fascinated by that whole you resigned from what and why? <laughs> and I think that when I think back to elementary school and the games that I played with my siblings, I don't even remember the games. What I remember is the time, Is the time, right? Is interacting with them. I remember, you know, being upset and being joyous and throwing things across the table and <laughs> flipping the table and, and, yeah. and throwing food. And, and I love those memories. And I realized that most of the work I was doing in the video game industry was creating the opposite. It was trying to make the most memorable, most memorable games I possibly could, because those are the ones that sell the best, obviously. But as I played them, either I wasn't interacting with others or the interactions were absolutely in the background where the game was the foreground. I just thought, I've got this backwards. I'm I'm equipped to do this based off of a really fortunate, amazing, joyful childhood. And I am not offering that up to others. And I got to fix that. I absolutely love that. I I think it's such an amazing thing to be self-aware as a parent. And it's such a hard thing to do with all the chaos around us. You know, we discussed in the pre-interview how I, and, and many listeners know this, You know, I realized that I was in a a dark place when my baby was born, just from the years of struggling to get pregnant. And I I took that time to connect, to be there. And I do think that is, it's such a a crucial thing to make changes in your life. You know, I walked away from my career, which hurt my career. But from my perspective, I found a new path. 
It's amazing. And I think that that what's so cool about your story is that not only did you realize that you didn't want to be doing what you were doing, but you sidestepped into a similar field of gaming, but in a way that could actively engage and you made it immensely successful. And I know not all of, it wasn't really luck to be honest. It was, (laughs) it was research and data. It was, your story is so fascinating. I'll put a link to one of my favorite talks you did online with regards to the story. I think it was EG. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. But I do think what's fascinating to me is your theory that it wasn't about raising the money through a Kickstarter. It was about engaging your audience. Yeah. And that's a powerful message as a parent, as well as a builder of a a brand. Yeah. It kind of trickles down to everything. Parenting, work, relationship with your spouse or significant other. It's the experiences you craft together that are defined by your interaction with the, your fellow crafty. And uh, I always just, I always seek that out. I love the idea that products are tool sets for relationships with other people, or at least they really should be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think that a kid remembers what we did for a living or the day-to-day stresses that we have. The kids remember the engagement. And like you said brilliantly with your siblings, it's not the details. It's that connection that's remembered for decades and decades to come. Yeah. Well, my daughter just turned four, or rather I say just turned four. She's about to turn four in a few days. Wyatt said he was three. He was two and a half and he was like almost three. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Right, right. You ask them those questions, how old are you? And they get so tied to the answer, like this self-identity that the idea that that could be transitional makes no sense. Anyway, <laughs> um, we've we've turned this amazing page together, which is it used to be um, she would get toys. I personally don't buy a lot of toys for all kinds of reasons we can talk about, but she has a big family and that family loves to buy her toys. And so she has a lot of toys. And I those toys were always the thing that would sit in her room and were utterly useless to me. Like I I'm not interested in me engaging them in her engaging with them. Like they're just, they're background scenery and she liked the colors and she likes the shapes and, and that's fine. The page we've turned is uh, Legos. I finally bought her a Lego set yeah. and I don't know why it took me so long to figure out. Maybe she wouldn't have been really appreciative any earlier, but... Little or big? Uh, little. Yeah. Yeah, we went straight to the little. And she loves it. And and my favorite part about it is we build together. Well, as I can see from the background. Yeah, from my background. I'm, I'm obsessed with Legos in general, but um, the reasons that I'm obsessed with them, I'm starting to see in her eyes, which is like, this is a bridge. This is not a toy. This is a tool set to have fun with somebody else. I almost never yet see her playing with Legos on her own. Instead, it's she'll come into my office, giant box of Legos in hand saying, Dada, let's play. And I'm delighted because that's not saying I'm going to sit in a corner and you sit in a corner. That's saying, Dad, I just brought a tool set by which we can interact with each other. Let's do that. And for me, it's I don't care what else I was doing. Let's Yes, let's do that. In a language you understand in such a beautiful way. Yeah, exactly. Do you magnetize too? We have a few. They haven't been a big hit yet. We tried for a while. Just it didn't click. Kids are so weird, right? Like just certain things stick and certain things don't. And it's entirely dependent. 
Yeah. I think also they watch us without us realizing it. Mm. And I'll bet that your daughter sees how much you enjoy Legos and that makes yeah. her more inclined towards Legos. That's a great point. I'll bet you're absolutely right about that. So back to the toy thing. So my my parents, they spoil Wyatt to no end. And I actually secretly, if they hear this, they're going to be mad. I take about half the toys and store them upstairs in the closet to disperse slowly so that he's not A, overwhelmed, and B, he can appreciate them little by little. Yeah. I used to try that, but they caught on to me. The grandparents yeah. especially were like, you know, <laughs> why isn't she playing with that toy I got her yesterday or the one the day before or the day before? And I'm like, that's why. It's because the day before she got one and the day before she got another one. And so yeah. it's a lot of that. So uh, now I've taken to letting her play with them and then uh, just putting them in a bag and giving them to charity and nobody seems to notice. So it's great. <laughs> and why? Why are you opposed to – because there is a mindset that there's kind of a creative play when a kid is playing alone sometimes. Look – this is a completely Sisyphean task. I cannot succeed. Like she has so many toys. Yeah. She will forever have more than she knows what to do with because I just can't stop that flood. But I am aware that the more you have, the less you value. Yeah. And I'm really into value. And I really like that if she doesn't have all the things she needs, she can invent that and she can create that and she can express innovation in ways that I can't even conceive of. And the easiest way to trigger that is a resource limitation. And so I'm constantly seeking that resource limitation. Again, innovative as hell. I love that. I could not agree more. So that brings up an interesting topic for me. So I don't know if you listened to the episode about rebuilding connections, but for about five years, as Laura and I were, were struggling to get pregnant, it became important to me that we turn off our phone on the weekends. Mm -hmm. It was more so about, I got deeper in my head when we were struggling and she got deeper into her phone. Yeah. And then when quarantine hit, it got even you know worse. Right. And then you have a kid, but you're like fighting the attention span. And when we first had our kid, we were like passing ships. You know, we we would take turns, but I couldn't really connect with her until I got her phone out of her sight. Yep. So we're actually, with DILF, we're launching this 24-hour tech-free challenge because we have found that, that 24 hours works and it resets us and gives us time to connect on the weekend and come back together as a family. And we found that a lot of parents kind of feel that way too. And I'm curious with you being not only so tech savvy, but running the Exploding Kittens kind of empire and being somewhat bi-coastal, if you call Canada and LA bi-coastal, yeah. I do. Yeah. I'm curious to know, how is your obsession with your phone and your wife works as well? How do you prioritize that time? I've never been a person that like obsessively has to check my phone. I don't have, like, I'm honestly on, on almost no social media sites at all um, because that part of technology isn't very interesting to me. Yeah. The part that is a, a bit obsessive is making myself available for my team that requires my attention for a lot of things. And so the, 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 the trick is, how do I split my attention between that and a family that requires and deserves even more of my attention? So uh, I've tried two things that have worked pretty well. One is when I take 24 hours away from the phone, I just schedule that. I make sure everybody knows so that there's no surprises there. Yeah. The corollary to that 
is there are a few people that I just use the tech very effectively. And so I, they're able to break through the silence on the phone. So they know if they call, even if my phone is silenced, it's still going to ring for them in particular. And they know they have that power and they use it very, very sparingly. Yeah. But the other thing, and the more important thing, the practice that I love is every single day I have a challenge for myself, which is how many hours, some case minutes, can I go between waking up and looking at my phone? And that part I kind of love. Mornings are really precious to me. Spending that time with my family, getting her ready for school or kindergarten now, breakfasts, getting her dressed, you know, connecting with my wife and making her coffee in the morning and, and just doing the, the ritual stuff. I now go many hours, maybe through many, three or four without yeah, yeah. even looking at my phone. Like it sits on the nightstand and I, I don't even wake it up. And uh, that's my own personal challenge is, all right, I went this morning. I know I went two hours and 48 minutes. Tomorrow, can I do 249? Because that would be even more awesome. There is a point where I absolutely, like I'll pick up my phone and it's on for the rest of the day and I'm in work mode and I got to deal with all the stuff. But I can prolong the beginning of that pretty effectively without doing a lot of damage. Okay. So let's, let's dive into priorities, which I think is a a huge thing for any parent, especially not even, especially a working parent, but just any parent that has other things going on than their kids, which is pretty much every parent in the world. (laughs) Right. And I'm just curious to know, how do you balance being a dad time with your partner, friends, any minute of time alone and self care? Like, yeah. Yeah. The tool that I have to try to balance things as much as I possibly can is weekends. Weekends, I really try to uh, keep my schedule completely clear, or if I fill it, I only fill it with family events. The the good side about that is I don't really work weekends, almost never. I'll deal with fires very sporadically as they come up and put them out as fast as I can. The downside to that is even my family has to put things on my calendar in order for them to get done. Otherwise, the calendar always fills up with other things. So uh, I put in these giant blocks for the weekend for family time just so nobody else schedules things over them. Hey, if, if your life is run by tech, then why not utilize tech to make your life better? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Okay, what about what about self-care? Because I hear a lot about you there with your family and you there for your team at mm-hmm. work. What about you? I am a very, very introverted person. Like, I need time alone. That is the most important thing in the world to me. And so there's a few things I do. One is those morning walks. Like, I've extended those at times to, you know, 10 or 12 miles at a time, just so that I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts or uh, scribble down notes. I, I use tech a lot. So I do a ton of voice recording to jot down ideas, things that I'm worried about. I'm a, I'm a big list maker, right? So if I wake up and I've, I find that I'm stressed, I'll go for a long walk and just record all the things I'm stressed about, create that list, and then you know, crossing those things off is really therapeutic for me. Oh my God, I thought it was just my OCD. I'm like the biggest crosser of, of lists. In the yeah, it's great. It's a great feeling to cross those items off a list. The other thing, <laughs> there is a product out there called Aquanotes. Have you heard of Aquanotes yet? No. Oh God. It's the simplest thing. It's a waterproof pad of paper and pencils are 
automatically waterproof. So it comes with a pencil. All this is, is a pad of paper that's waterproof with two suction cups and you keep it in the shower. I take horribly wasteful, horribly long showers because I'm completely alone and I can create these insane lists in there. And that's yeah. where I cross everything off is in the actual shower. It is the most joyous, lovely thing I have found in the last 10 years and has kept me sane. I love that. Water. Yeah. yeah I'm a cancer and I feel like water just kind of cleanses me and, and yep. washes things away, yep. which means that thoughts come to surface. Yeah. And I always need to remember. Exactly. Yeah. I love well, that's topic. why just put this silly little notepad up in your shower. It'll cost you what? Five, $6 on Amazon. I buy them 20 at a time because I go through them like crazy. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to delve into fatherhood, knowing that you're about to, you, you had a kid a little later in life mm. and simultaneously you have another kid on the way. We talked a little in the pre-interview about the version of paternity leave that you took with your first kid. And I'm curious to know any anxiety with regards to the second kid coming. I mean, I know <laughs> I felt, I felt kind of rejected when our kid first came out. Like he didn't yeah. really want me. It was just kind of logistical. And I'm curious to know if, if you have any of those feelings or concerns based on your experience with your, your daughter. I definitely have those concerns. Like having the first kid was exciting and terrifying all at once. Right. You know, this, you went through this and the second kid, I keep thinking, Oh, now I know this. Now, now there's nothing to it. I, I've already gone through this. But the reality is, it's just as terrifying and just as exciting. And it's just I'm able to put those emotions into a compartment as, okay, acknowledged. Instead of it like washing over me constantly, it's like, yeah, just as intense, but I know exactly what those are and where they live and when to access them. So I think it's going to be really hard from everything I hear. It's not double. It's something far more than double. <laughs> um and uh, there's this great quote. My brother just had his third kid, and he pulled out this quote from somewhere. I, I don't remember the author, but he said, I was like, what's it like? You just had a third kid. What's it like? And he said, it's like drowning in a sea of babies. And then you see someone up there, and they finally throw you another baby. And uh, I think that probably having a second is a minor version of that because, uh, wow, three and four and five uh, seems I can't yeah. even do that math. A lot. Let's just call it a lot. But I think we were talking about, I didn't take paternity leave um, for our first kid. And it was largely because I was working remotely and uh, and I could do a lot of the parenty things. I could take care of the baby. I could feed the baby. I could change the baby. I could uh, make sure she wasn't getting into trouble or, or doing any harm. And um, I didn't expect that. Like I actually expected to take leave and just found that I didn't really have to. I'm not sure that plays out the same way this time because now we have an absolute terrorist running around the house in our <laughs> four-year-old yeah, and a kid, uh, an infant, a newborn that needs that same amount of attention for, for cleaning and, and, and care. That might be a little much. That, that might be, okay, let me, <laughs> let me actually dial back the hours because we've hit capacity. Yeah. It's lovely that you are capable of doing that. I feel like Sadly, some people can't take it if they want it. And I think that yeah. that's something that hopefully the government is trying to work on because we should all have that option. And as dads, it's always seen as, as an option instead of a crucial necessity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I say, you know, Canada might be the best place to raise a kid. 
my wife gets a full year of paid maternity leave. It's astounding. And I've been told, I don't know if I'm right about this, but in the past we've interviewed Canadians and they said that it could be split amongst the mom and dad, however you see fit. Yeah, that's right. It's so supportive. They've made it such a priority. It's, it's lovely. I, I, I love it. I, as an owner of my own company, don't quite get to take advantage of it. Right. But it's amazing to see in her work. She's a professor. It's really amazing to see that. Okay. Here's a vulnerable question. Sure. Fathers as equal co-parents. Now, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one fighting for this. I feel like sometimes it feels like the moms think it's a joke and not everyone. And dads feel like it's, you know, it's just not a possibility, but I'm just, I'm curious to know your opinions on this. We are fighting so many stereotypes through decades and decades of the world of parenting talking only to moms. Yeah. Um, It's not equal. I don't think it can be equal. I think you can get, I think on a case by case basis, dads can get very involved but I, I just, there's a connection having, having had that human being inside of you for so long. Um, I think there's a connection that we as dads can only achieve through emotion and experience. And that just takes years. And so eventually to be the, the, the absolute equal co-parent, I just think that takes years. And that's great. I love doing that work. That's absolutely my goal. But I think to assume that we're starting the race at the same starting point is not accurate. I I love that. I could not agree more. I think that that is the biggest thing that dads, especially new dads, should hear. It's, It's instant for many moms. And that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong as a dad if it's not. Because we didn't grow the baby inside of us. And it just, it took me an hour to calm my baby boy. And it took my wife 10 minutes, you right. know? Yeah. Yeah. But we have to work harder, but that doesn't mean that it can't be at an equal level. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely can. It's just, you, you are starting at, at a, at a deficit at a, at, at least a nine month deficit and it's not, and you don't catch up in nine months. It's, there's all kinds of crazy computational math you have to do to figure out how, how to spend that time, uh, and and eventually do you know pull your share do your part would you carry the baby if you were capable of doing it yes uh, absolutely i have found so many men say that and women think that it's bs and i i can't believe how many men say that i i the it took me a long time to get married it took me a long time to find the right person uh, I'd been in very serious relationships. Uh, I'd always been the one to to pull pull away and say, you know, I just don't think this has any future. When I finally found that person, it was because it was the first person I've ever met where it felt like a true partnership, someone that I was engaged to be a partner with, yeah. and looked forward to that. And it was it was um, it was such a wonderful realization for me that I was looking forward to it. And to this day, you know, years into it, I'm, I'm still, that's the most exciting part for me. And so that experience 
I wouldn't say that my goal is to carry the baby so that she doesn't. My goal is how do I be how do I be a true partner in this? If there was a biological way for me to do half the work or a proportional amount of work to our abilities and interests and and um and 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 accommodation levels, I would like to do exactly that much, whatever the partnership dictates. I love that. I as a as a hopeless romantic, I could not connect more with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? How has becoming a dad changed you as a man, as a professional, as a partner? Yeah. Um, at first, I'm not sure it did. Well, no, that's not true. What am I saying? Listen, here's here's uh, there's an experience I, I I think about. Like as soon as I said those words, this image just flashed into my head. So let me tell you this image, this thing that uh, happened to me. I am an adrenaline junkie. I have jumped out of the planes and gone cliff diving and raced motorcycles. I've done I've done all the things because I, I really crave that. It's very exciting for me. And in life. Ever, we've all had some like close calls, right? We've all thought that we were in a precarious situation. You've almost died. Everyone's got that that story. And whenever I'm faced with one of those situations, the thought that always goes through my head is, "How am I going to deal with this? All right, hold on. Where where can I where can I dodge? What how high can I jump? Like how do I how do I make sure that my fate is in my own hands because I'm responsible right now and I'm going to exert that responsibility." The first week after my wife gave birth, I was just walking down the street. I was like going out for groceries or something. And I was walking home and I was crossing the street and a car comes barreling down the road. He's going way too fast to stop in time for the intersection. And I'm looking at this car and I'm like, I'm about to be hit. And the feeling I expected was, let me jump, let me roll. Fate, My fate is my own. I got this. Here we go. And instead, what went through my head was, you can't do this right now because someone is depending on me. And that was so new. That was like, that just blew my mind. I didn't have to worry about it. He eventually screeched to a halt. He came like inches from me, but it it was fine. But that emotion came out of nowhere. I did not see that coming. That was not premeditated. I didn't even know that thought existed in my head, but that was the absolute truth of the moment that my brain fed to me was, no, (laughs) there's something much more important than me right now. It's not me controlling my fate. It's something else, something bigger, something more important. That was, it's this, this new life form uh, that needs me. And I did not see that coming. So uh, that's kind of, that's, that's had an impact on most of the things I do. Uh, Certainly the experiences I sign up for now, much more risk adverse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of lovely. The The reward for that is breathtaking. Do you miss that? Those adrenaline? Not at all. I'm, I, I found, I've just only because I found it in other ways. Like it's not, I don't need to jump out of a plane to feel that. That's so well said. Yes. Yeah. There's other ways. To, there, I experienced that through my daughter, through our shared experiences. I get massive amounts of adrenaline when, <laughs> when I see her try something new, I see her like climb up a brick wall and say, daddy, look, and then dive off the wall. And then I'm like, whoa, uh, very proud of her and need to dive to try to catch her. And like, there's when, when she does something new, 
when she risks her life, when she does something stupid, when I need to, to have some impact, it's the same feeling, or at least it's a related feeling that's just as satisfying. Yeah, I, I love that. What, what's the toughest moment you've experienced thus far on mm. your parenting journey? Um, realizing that I have to make sacrifices, realizing that um, I no longer am able to be relied on by everyone on my team. Like I, I can't do all the things. Um, there are hours that I have to take off. There are things that I used to be able to do that I used to be able to instantly sign up for as like, I'm going to go do that research and solve that thing. And in three hours, you're going to have an answer to that problem. It's like, no, in the next three hours, this other thing is calling for me and there's nothing I can do about that. And I have to be okay with that. And again, there's rewards on the other side of that, but that realization has been very hard. I could not connect with that more. I think that the challenge of parenting is the prioritization yeah, uh, and, and kind of refiguring out how to be present with work when you're there and be present with your family when you're there. Yeah. That has been such a fascinating balance. Yeah, that's right. Really hard. And, and really like you learn a lot about yourself through that process is like where your priorities are. I find myself thinking a lot about my own parents and knowing that they went through a lot of these decisions and these old memories kind of come flooding back about certain times when my parents chose me and my siblings and certain times when they chose work. And now having those memories contextualized is fascinating. Like they worked hard. They made tough decisions that I never appreciated until now. And it's, uh, it's really, really eye-opening. Yeah. Any family time rituals that you consider sacred? Oh, it feels like there's a lot of them. So my daughter recently started uh, kindergarten and we're very lucky that the school that she goes to is about four blocks from our house. So that means every morning we get to hold hands and walk to school together. And I am so aware that that's not going to last for very long. Like that's just, that is this special, amazing thing that a four-year-old is willing to do that maybe a five-year-old, probably not a six-year-old will be willing to do. And I cherish it because during that time we, we race and we play tag and we talk about her day and we talk about what she's excited about and we point at the squirrels running by and now the Halloween decorations. And uh, I'm not typically a very good morning person, but I've found that I look forward to waking up because I get to walk to school with my daughter every day. It's so awesome. I love that. Alon, thank you so much for taking the time. I commend your journey following your passion consistently. <laughs> and I, I really think it's not easy when you are such a passionate individual and have built some really cool things professionally to prioritize family. Yeah. And it seems mentally like a very easy, obvious choice, but so few people in this world make that choice. Yeah. Yeah, well said. And I think it's important to hear examples. Yeah, really, really well said. It's so hard. But the good news is the rewards for making those choices are life-changing. I think we'll end there. Thank you so much, my friend. It's my pleasure. Thanks for doing the show and having me on it. Thanks for listening. 
In the spirit of the season, we're excited to offer DILF listeners an additional 10% off the latest game from the Exploding Kittens family. It's called Throw Throw Avocado. And note that this is in addition to the already discounted sale going on now through the end of the year at ExplodingKittens.com. Simply enter the code DILF10 with no spaces at checkout with Throw Throw Avocado in your cart. And to receive an even bigger offer from Exploding Kittens, check us out on Instagram at DILF Podcast. Until next time.